0: Welcome to Fertility Fridays. I'm your host, Leah Vaughn. Join me for today's episode as we explore all things on the road to becoming mama. Hello, hello, and welcome to my beautiful mamas, soon-to-be mamas, future mamas, aspiring mamas, and all mamas in between. How are y'all doing today? I hope you're doing well. I really do. I hope you have enjoyed uh, the last few segments of Fertility Fridays. It's been fun to record and just explore the world of trying to conceive fertility and infertility issues and be able to share with y'all my personal experience and perspective and just the things that I've learned um along the way through so many different types of treatments and clinics and interactions with doctors and everything in between so thank you for joining me i have to say i am a pretty introverted person i guess i'm the prime example of an extroverted introvert so i'm introverted at heart i'm a really shy person I am the one that stands in the grocery line and doesn't really want to be talked to or approached or tapped on the shoulder. Um, Social interactions with people I don't know make me really nervous, so I tend to just stay to myself. I'm definitely the one that's in the corner unless it's in my environment and I'm familiar with everyone around me and uh, with a group of people who make me feel safe. So being able to talk to you just really transparently through... A microphone and in the comfort of my own home where you can't see me is amazing. I really enjoy the process of it and it helps me to feel comfortable just being honest and open and vulnerable, which is hard for me to do sometimes. I have been thinking of creating my own uh, YouTube channel, but in order to do that, it requires video content, which means I have to record myself. At one point, a couple of years ago, I did have a segment on YouTube called The The Mindful Minutes. It's still up if you want to look for it. It's called The Mindful Minutes with Leah Anderson and I had several videos. Those were fun to record, so I know I can do it, but it's just been several years and it's a little intimidating to think about going back into that process. And um, So yeah, hopefully one day you'll see my face up there. But anyways, thank you so much, ladies, for joining me today. I want to give everybody who's listening a quick warning that this is going to be an explicit episode. If you can't tell from the title of it, uh, Down and Dirty, All the Deets on At-Home Insemination, we are going to be talking about inseminating at home on our own, either with our partners or by ourselves. And some of the methods and things that take place um, can be spicy. I guess is the best way to describe it. And so I just want whoever is listening, if you're listening somewhere where other people can hear the podcast or if you have young children around or anything like that, you may want to put your headphones on or wait until a better time because we will be talking about sex. Um, At-home insemination has a lot of different faces and looks like different things, different methods, and different ways to try. So there will be a component of that in today's episode just to forewarn you so you can't say you didn't know. So anywho, welcome, I guess let's dig in, right? <laughs> let's get to the nitty gritty. What is at-home insemination? Well, it's just that. It's where a couple or an individual is able to utilize tools and resources to try to get pregnant on their own at home Various situations that would render at home insemination necessary or preferred by the individual couple or person would be lesbian couples, two women who obviously can't sleep together and um, just get pregnant, so they have to utilize insemination processes. Single mothers who are single mothers by choice are trying to get pregnant on their own and don't have a partner to have sex with, or even heterosexual couples that have male factor infertility issues where the husband's sperm is the issue and he's unable to get his wife pregnant or his partner pregnant. So those typically are the most common scenarios that I've seen um, where... At-home insemination methods are used, including my wife and myself. So the benefit of at-home insemination versus fertility treatments at a clinic are many. It's number one, a private environment. You're in the privacy of your own home. You're in the comfort of your own home. And that makes it more intimate for a lot of those individuals or couples. You can save a lot of money. Obviously, you're not paying a doctor to do an expensive fertility treatment for you. You're probably not on medications, which could cost a lot of money as well. And you're able to figure out what the insemination process and flow should look like. So you're able to just do it at home. It gives you that freedom and flexibility for the environment to be controlled. Which oftentimes makes it special between two people, or even with somebody who's choosing to conceive on their own. You know, I remember a long time ago, I was watching a YouTube video and I wish I could remember the name of the woman. I did not save the video, but this was many years ago when my wife and I were first starting uh, to explore conceiving and I watched this woman's video and she had successfully gotten pregnant 3 times by herself at her home and she had a whole setup that she did I mean she lit candles and you know just was very intimate with herself and then went through this whole kind of process and it worked for her you know so it just allows you to have um a special environment where conceiving takes place on your terms. Here's where it gets exciting. What are the different insemination methods? So with at-home insemination, there are different types of methods that can take place. AI or artificial insemination is one method um, that a lot of people prefer to use. Artificial insemination is used in a lot of different ways, clinically and personally for some people, but in the uh, lesbian community of trying to conceive, artificial insemination basically means getting some sperm, having a cup or something that you can uh, hold the sperm in and either inserting it into your vagina via a menstrual cup A you know, like a menstrual collection cup or a syringe. So when I say artificial insemination, I'm not talking about artificial insemination via IUI at your doctor's office, which is how it's clinically referred to. I am talking about um, the process of doing it at home on your own. PI is another method of home insemination. PI stands for partial insertion. What is that? it basically means that without the full act of having sexual intercourse with somebody you still are receiving the sperm in a semi-natural form. Well, it is fully natural obviously when you're when you have a penis inside your vagina and the sperm gets in there that's a natural process, right? But it's not the full act of having sex. It looks like the man and his penis being pretty ready to get to his climax and then inserting kind of towards the very end of that. um, And there's minimal intercourse involved. So basically he's already there. He's ready. He's ready to, to shoot the rockets and go. And then there is NI, which is natural insemination or natural intercourse, which is full on sex. It looks different to even though it's a natural way of inseminating, it does look different for everybody involved. Not everybody is going to want to just have raunchy natural sex with the person that they uh, choose as their donor or who's trying to help them conceive. So even that has a lot of different faces, which we'll talk about in a little while. So first, let's start with AI or artificial insemination. What does that look like and how can that uh, be something that is a successful method of at-home insemination? Well, typically two individuals Again, um, and I don't want to keep repeating this because it just sounds redundant and it's a lot of words, but you've got lesbian couples who use this method uh, single mothers who are choosing to be single mothers on their own or heterosexual couples with male factor infertility um, who all use these various methods. Any of the above can have a vial or vials of sperm shipped to their home from a sperm bank where they've selected a donor and have chosen who they want to use um, in that um, within that sperm bank's database of donors. Please, if you are interested in learning more about the donor selection process, check out my previous episode uh, titled Donor Number 5. I go into a lot of detail and talk about the whole process of choosing a donor, working with sperm banks, getting the proper testing done and all of that stuff and having it shipped to your home and everything. So you'll learn all of that detail there. I'm not going to go into that today. But anyway, so they may have chosen their uh, donor. They have the vial of sperm or vials of sperm, depending on how many times they want to inseminate, shipped to their home within the woman's fertile window. Of course, the woman will be tracking her ovulation cycle in her window so she'll know uh, her most fertile days and her peak ovulation days And if they're not using a sperm bank, they may have a private donor, meaning somebody who you know personally or somebody who you've met. There are a lot of resources and apps and places where you can meet individuals who are willing to be sperm donors privately. Those individuals can provide the specimen in a cup, like I said, or a menstrual cup. And it's either inserted via a syringe or the menstrual cup is inserted into the vagina up by the cervix and just left there for a couple of hours. AI is a very popular method of at-home insemination because it doesn't require any physical contact with the individual. Obviously, if you have a private donor who is giving you a specimen, they don't necessarily have to come into your home to provide it to you. One thing about sperm is it does stay viable outside of the man's body for up to an hour. I've Heard and read that an hour is pushing it for viability. So I would say, if you choose to use that method, uh, certainly try to get it to your get it to you as quickly as possible, um, so that you're ensuring that you're getting the freshest, most viable parts of the sperm. If you're not meeting this person at your home to collect the specimen, you can meet them somewhere. There are people who will meet in a private public place. And that sounds funny to say private public place. But, you know, like in a corner of a parking lot in a park somewhere that's not crowded or I don't know in an alley in, a, in a, you know any any place where there's no people around but there are people who will meet their donors and collect the specimen and inseminate in the back of their cars you know it does happen there are a lot of babies who are conceived in the back seats of cars in all sorts of ways and ai being one of them even though i'm talking about at home insemination today some of the methods don't necessarily take place in the home or at the home So let's recap AI. You've got a sperm specimen coming from a sperm bank or a private donor who's giving you a fresh sample. You are taking either of the specimens via a syringe or a menstrual cup you are inserting it into your vagina and you are keeping it there for a little while if it's in a menstrual cup or if you are not using a menstrual cup and you're using a syringe hopefully you're laying there for at least 10 to 15 minutes elevated hips up all of that good stuff i know a lot of people put their feet up i've you know one point put my feet up on the wall and was like highly elevated the blood was probably rushing to my head but at the same time you just need to have your hips elevated you don't have to put your feet up on the wall, a lot of people feel comfortable, but that's more of a myth than it is a proven scientific fact that works. You just want to make sure gravity is holding the sperm near, near your cervix so that it's as close to where it needs to go um, as possible, but spermies swim fast and they do know where to go on their own. So they're going to make it in there. Trust me. They're not just going to swim around in your vagina and, and bump endlessly into the walls and not know which, which direction is up and down. They trust me, they know where to go. One of the popular syringes that my wife and I um, also use because it's specifically designed just for at-home insemination is called Mosey Baby. You can visit their website at moseybaby.com and they use disposable syringes that are specifically designed to suck up as much of the specimen Uh, semen specimen as possible without leaving any behind. And once you insert the syringe, it's also designed to, as you are pushing the specimen out of the syringe into your vagina, it is designed with a rounded tip so that there's no extra fluid left behind in the tip of the syringe. So you know you're getting the whole entire specimen and all of the fluid where it's supposed to go and you're not wasting any. So I know that it can be intimidating, like, am I getting everything? Do I know? Did I don't want to waste any, especially if you are using a specimen from a cryobank, you know that the little vials have very little actual fluid because they are concentrated down to just the sperm. So you want to make sure that you are using the most effective syringe for that. And as a side note, your sperm specimen, if you're using a cryobank, will come with instructions on how to thaw and warm the sperm. Make sure you follow those instructions to a T. Again, I wish I could find the YouTube video of the woman who did this you know, so many times at home on her own, but I did a little bit of research. And if you go to YouTube and type in at home insemination, you will find a plethora of videos from people who have successfully done this on their own at home. Certainly watch the videos. A lot of them will answer your questions from people in real life situations who have been successful and what their methods were. But I do know that if you're using the cryobank donor samples. You want to be sure to thaw it out, thaw out your sample out of the cryo tank um, according to the directions. And a lot of the times you just stick it in your armpit for a, a certain period of time to warm it up to body temperature and then it's ready to go. So it's, you know, there's, there is a specific process to that. Now, if you are receiving a fresh sample from somebody, you don't have to keep it warm. Like I said, you just want to make sure you get it from point A into your body as quickly as possible so that you maintain the viability and freshness of that sample. Let's move on to PI. PI, in my opinion, is a controversial method just because... At the end of the day, it does require physical contact and insertion, in my opinion. And this is just my opinion. It's going to end up pretty much looking like sex anyways. So I don't know. There are a lot of private donors out there who won't do it, but there are some who will. And if you're somebody who would prefer a fresh sample from a donor, a private donor, the more natural way, then, you know, these are options to explore and questions to ask. Everybody has their own preference of what they feel comfortable with. But the reality is, in a heterosexual world, sex has to happen for conception to happen. Obviously, I'm saying that in a way that doesn't include fertility clinics and infertility treatments and things like IVF, because in those situations, obviously, um, it looks different. But I'm talking about a couple who's just trying to have a baby or, you know, wants to start their family and start trying and they just have sex at home. So sex is a natural process that does take place between two people in order to conceive. And even in the same-sex community, that's kind of a taboo unknown reality that there are a lot of women out there who are willing to have sex with a guy to get pregnant, even if he's just providing a quote-unquote sample you know, um, of sperm for them. So the one thing about PI is that the idea behind it is to engage in the least amount of physical contact as possible. So I understand why people choose that because you may want to go the more natural route without having to have full-on sexual intercourse from start to finish with somebody. And, you know, again, it's everybody's comfort level. Obviously someone who chooses this method is someone who is comfortable with this. But I do have a few suggestions. If you're interested in PI or NI um, and you want to bypass the syringe and the menstrual cup and just do what you got to do, make sure you are getting to know this person I would never encourage just meeting someone and sleeping with someone. You know, the real world is we don't know people, we don't know people's true intentions. And while we would like to think that people have good intentions, and we are safe and they can be trusted, you have to be uber precautious. So definitely, if you are vetting people for PI or NI, make sure you get to know that person, meet them in person, make sure that they're real, do a little bit of investigation on your own, ask for identification. Um, ask for records of STIs and STDs, make sure that they're physically healthy as far as that goes because this is unprotected sex at the end of the day and you don't want to put yourself in a situation where you contract something or you end up just biting off more than you can chew in this uh, particular method. So back to PI, PI looks like um, and the location and all of that is something obviously that's decided. Some people go to hotel rooms. Some people invite them, you know, to their home. Maybe make it a more intimate process. Have dinner, get to know each other, um, and then meet up maybe at the person's home, and you know, complete the act there. But you're looking at someone who will be in your vicinity, wherever and however that looks, who will get themselves to a place of arousal where they are nearly ready to climax. And then at the end, when they are ready to go, they will utilize partial insertion, which means, I mean, it's going all the way in ladies, but just for like a very short period of time. So maybe just a couple of pumps. (laughs) And the contact is minimal you're not having full on sex from start to finish. You may be looking at just, you know, a few seconds, 30 seconds, a minute or under or whatever. But, but the point of PI is limited physical contact, like I said. And then he does what he does and goes about his way. And yeah, you hang tight and and let the spermies swim. And you've got a fresh sample deposited inside your body, where it needs to go the natural way. So that's PI. The last method of at-home insemination is natural. Natural insemination, meaning sex. Again, This is a decision that somebody has to feel extremely comfortable with, especially if you are in a relationship and you and your partner are making these decisions together. Obviously, if you're in a relationship and you feel comfortable with natural insemination and your partner does not, that's a complication that you have to figure out between the two of you. You certainly want to be on the same page with that. You don't want to choose to do something that your partner is not comfortable with. And then the two of you are at odds about it because natural insemination is having sex with somebody from start to finish. It's not partial insemination. That person isn't getting themselves nearly fully aroused and, and then coming you know, in at the end for a few seconds or a short period of time. You are having sexual intercourse with this person. And that's something that you and your partner have to feel a thousand percent comfortable with. It's a hugely important conversation to have up front. When you're deciding how to conceive or the ways that you want to try to conceive at home, the, the method of conception should be the first thing that you discuss. Because y'all want to make sure that you are all the way on the same page when it comes to this one. Seriously. And for those who may be listening, who may not agree with you know, having sex outside of your relationship or having intercourse with somebody just to get pregnant or whatever. My advice is, you know, until you're in someone's situation and in their shoes and understand what they're willing to do to create a family, you cannot judge. You just can't because there are lesbian couples all over the world who Like I said, can't just lay down with each other and conceive and they face all sorts of different situations and struggles and adversities in the trying to conceive area and it's just not fair to judge anybody who is trying to create a family. It's a very private, personal decision. And if a couple wants to proceed with natural insemination, by all means, do it. I don't discriminate against it. I don't have any problem with it. I think that, again, it's something in the heterosexual world that happens very naturally between two people you know, sex just happens. And unfortunately, us lesbians can't just do that. You know, and so it's not fair to limit us in our abilities and what we choose to do when we're trying to create a family. The most important thing that I think matters is that you agree on what method you choose and that you're on the same page. And second, it's important to agree on what it looks like for you. It's different for everybody. You have to communicate what the actual physical interaction will look like. So will it be you and your partner together with this individual in the room? Will it just be the two who are doing the deed in the room and the other partner is in another central location uh, waiting to come in at the end? you know what does it look like there are some women who have threesomes with men and they're all involved in it it's also important to set boundaries with your partner and with the individual who is your private donor boundaries like physical touch what kind of interaction is appropriate or not appropriate obviously sex is sex it can it can look like a lot of different things and a lot of different ways to touch each other and engage with each other? Is this just a simple interaction of, hey, do what you got to do, get there and go? Or is it, um, it can be a mutually pleasing thing? You know, you want to talk about what it actually looks like and what your boundaries are and what your non-negotiables are. If you're not willing to reciprocate things, or if you don't want certain things done to you, you have to speak those desires and wishes up front. Even though it is natural insemination, it is still a transactional experience. There is a purpose for what's happening. This isn't just you met somebody at a club and you're going home and having a one-night stand. This is something that is meant to encourage a certain outcome at the end. So you want to have these conversations. You want to, like I said, meet this person. You want to talk to them. Are they experienced? Have they done this before? If that person is also having intercourse with other women who he is trying to help or who he's a donor for and you, then you're working with someone who's having unprotected sex with a lot of women. At the end of the day, that's what it looks like. So you just want to evaluate all of the details that come with natural insemination. I can't stress enough, know their physical medical history, know that they are healthy, have them prove it to you. You have to go into this with an open and rational mind. You want to be safe and precautious. And also have the discussion with your partner of how this emotionally affects you. At the end of the day, sex between two people can be an emotional process. Yes, people who are going into this with a purpose are typically able to stay focused on the purpose and the task at hand. And like I said, it's just a transactional process. However, sex is an intimate thing between two people. You want to make sure that you're at a place and that your partner is at a place where you can engage in this without becoming emotionally involved in it. And that's just the reality of it. You have to be a certain kind of strong to engage in natural insemination, no strings attached. Now, there are a lot of people, again, who do it. And that's the way that they get pregnant. It's it's fast and easy for them and it's what they prefer and are able to accomplish that with no hassle, no hard feelings or no nothing else that comes with it. But you got to make sure that you're that person. You've got to make sure that you can go through that and feel comfortable with that whole process. I was a member of a support group for people looking for sperm donors online a couple of years ago. And there was a story to me that stood out that I'll always remember. And this was a man who had male factor infertility and couldn't get his wife pregnant. They had been married for probably five or six years from what I remember. And he was asking just for support in the community because he had given his wife permission to vet her own donor. And go meet the donor to have sex a couple of times a month during her fertile window. And the man said, I feel horrible. I can't get my wife pregnant. We can't afford fertility treatments, but we really want to have a child. Unfortunately, buying sperm from a sperm bank is really expensive too. And so I just said, go ahead, you know, a couple of times a month when you're ovulating. You can go have sex with the man that we choose to be the donor. I just don't want to know about the details. I don't want to hear how it went. And I don't want to be involved in the process. But I trust you. And I want you to go out and do do that for yourself and for us. And she did. That was something that was incredible to me. The strength and the trust in their relationship for him to say, I can't do this for you, but this is what we want together, and this is a method that we're both okay in doing, but for my own sake, I can't see it or be involved in it. You know, that's just an example of needing to have those conversations and the transparency and the vulnerability to trust each other and the decisions that you make. P.I. and N.I. involved sexual contact sexual intercourse in in various ways. And that's a very intimate process regardless. It's important to be on the same page and know what you're both willing to do and not willing to do. When you have these conversations, you have to talk about boundaries and non-negotiables up front. You have to make sure that you're solid Even if it's something that requires you to go to therapy and work out issues because you know you want to do it this way or you know you want to engage in a certain method, but you need a little bit of emotional help to get through it or to get to a certain place where you're ready to start, do what you have to do to utilize resources and tools so that you're in this together. If you're doing this by yourself, if you choose to be a single mother and you're engaging in any of these methods on your own, certainly Get the support that you need from friends. I don't know how comfortable you are talking to family about these things. They can be pretty intimate and personal, but still you want to make sure that you are in a good place, that you're ready to go and keep your eye on the prize. At the end of the day, We are all engaging in at-home insemination methods because we want to get pregnant. We want to conceive. It's special. It's creating life. It's becoming mothers for the first time or becoming mothers again. You know, there's an end result that is a heartfelt desire for all of us so Choose what is best for you. Choose the method that's best for you. Do your research. Go onto YouTube. There's so many videos and people who share personal testimonies of their successes that will give you helpful insight and information and just encouragement. I will tell you right here, I am not judging any of you. I understand the importance of choosing your own method of insemination at home. I think that controlling the environment and privately between uh, two people or or a woman by herself and, and using AI is an amazing method. And I also am open-minded and understanding enough to know that hey, sometimes you have to get it in naturally, and that's that's the way that people prefer. There are also people who don't necessarily believe that AI or using a syringe or a menstrual cup is effective, um, and they don't want to risk that. So especially women my age who are older and it's like every cycle counts, every egg counts because you never know which one is going to be the golden egg. You want to utilize your resources in the most effective way possible. So maybe I'm not going to be interested in AI. Maybe I'm going to meet somebody who I feel comfortable having sex with and I'm just going to do what I have to do naturally and know that I've got um, the best chances there. So again, we're not judging anybody for any at-home insemination method that they choose. We are supporting each other in the journey and trying to conceive. And we're being open-minded human beings who are compassionate and empathetic because one thing we can understand is the desire for family and for baby. Lastly, what I want to talk about are the legal points of this. In most states, and don't quote me on this, I live in Florida right now, we lived in New York before, and in those states, unfortunately, regardless of any at-home insemination method that we chose, whether it was from a donor at a sperm bank or a private donor that we had an agreement with. Legally, if you're not working with a physician at a clinic who is doing a fertility treatment to help you conceive, most of the time you have to draw up legal documentation for that person to forfeit parental rights. There's a whole process you have to go to. There's a process called second parent adoption where your partner can legally adopt the child Once they're born, I recommend and highly advise everyone who wants to do an at-home insemination method to speak with a family law attorney who specializes in same-sex couples or individuals who utilize at-home insemination methods just because you don't want to find yourself in a situation where the private donor is able to challenge you for custody or parental rights or anything like that. There have even been cases where the individual recipients have gone back and sued the donors for child support um, because whatever the situation was changed and You know, you just want to make sure that legally you protect yourself and that child. I read in an article online a couple of months ago about a lesbian couple who used a private donor. They went on to successfully conceive and have a child. I think the child was two or three years old and they separated and divorced. And the woman who carried the baby sued the other parent for full custody and won. So you just want to be sure that you protect yourselves at all costs legally. At-home insemination is not a conventional legal way for two people to um, have full legal custodial rights to a child. And so you want to have all of your T's crossed and I's dotted get your paperwork done, do your research ahead of time, save some money because you're going to have to pay attorney's fees and you're going to have to go to court and uh, do some things in the legal process. So just be sure that you're careful and proactive and do your research on that for the particular laws in the state where you live so that both parents have the rights that they deserve to have with the baby. There's a book that I think is helpful for some of you who may be interested in at-home insemination methods. It's called Insemination at Home, Exactly What My Wife and I Did to Get Me Pregnant. It's by Amanda Ford. She's very honest and transparent and real about her experiences with her and her wife. She was able to successfully conceive and they did use the at-home insemination method. She goes into great detail about what they did, who they did it with, how they did it. So certainly if you're interested in reading a real-life testimonial to that, grab the book and uh, read it with your partner so you guys can get some ideas and feedback. and and different things that you can include in your journey. There is also, for those of you who are interested in natural insemination versus uh, artificial insemination, there is a article online called Natural Versus Artificial Insemination. It's on spermdonorhub.com. I feel like that particular website is geared more towards men, but it does, in very layman's terms, describe artificial insemination versus natural insemination. So if you want more, not necessarily graphic, just more detail- then go ahead and head over to the website and take a look at that article and educate yourself a little further. And thank you so much for listening to my sex ed talk today, ladies. (laughs) I guess that was easier than I thought it would be. And again, I just want to encourage everybody to make the best choice that is right for you and your partner. And I can't stress enough, have the conversations, do what is best for you both, or you individually if you're doing this solo. And just make sure that you protect yourself, protect your relationship, make sure that you're on the same page, communicate, research And be 1,000% sure of whatever method it is that you choose to move forward with. Thank you so much for listening to today's Fertility Friday segment on the Unspoken Cycle podcast. I am your host, Leah Vaughn, and I appreciate you joining me today, ladies. If you have not yet, please like and subscribe. And don't forget to head on over to theunspokencycle.com where you can join the free private community just for women. There's so much greatness waiting there for you with open arms. Until next time, mamas, stay strong. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of Fertility Fridays. Please like and subscribe, and don't forget to join the private community just for women at the unspokencycle.com. Until next week, stay strong.